And it was a serious, serious stroke. So much so that she lost the use of both her legs, her one arm, and almost all of the function of her left arm. Couldn't speak. She could barely move her head, except with great effort. Yet her mind was absolutely clear and sharp. And she was only able to communicate through a brief or very faint nod of her head or barely moving her left hand. He also gave her a word board which allowed her to use 150 different words. But if the word wasn't there, she would have to slowly move her arm and type it out very slowly with one finger in her left hand. When she was 60, she became a widow, and both of her sons stopped coming to see her and didn't talk to her anymore. Let me read a portion of her testimony to you, which took her literally two full days to type out. God has blessed me through the ordeal. I am so thankful to you that the hardest part is over with. I can type with one finger and can feed myself. I have a word letter chart on the tray of my wheelchair, and I can communicate by using that. All of these things a normal person takes for granted. I am very thankful to God that I can do these things Thank you, God, for life and glorifying your name with my experience. Give me strength and courage so that I will glorify your name. I accept your will if it's to be healed, but I'm also thankful that in eternity we will have new and well bodies. In the name of Jesus, we have promise of eternal life. I think if Ardell can keep perspective on life like that, if she can stay strong, if she can be grateful and continue to trust God for her daily physical and emotional and spiritual needs, then I think we can too. And so we come to that part of the Lord's Prayer. We're in week three of six weeks in the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus says in verse 11, Give us today our daily bread. Let me pray with you for a moment. Kind Father, we bow in your presence. And many times we're just astounded that the King of kings and Lord of lords would reach out to us. It goes beyond words to articulate why you didn't just walk away from us when we had walked away from you, but instead you sent Jesus and we are so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you were willing to come, that you were willing to die, and that you rose from the dead, that, that by your Spirit, you communicate truth to us, you convict us, you convince us of our sin and our need for you. And so we're grateful for relationship with you. We great, we're grateful for the revelation of your word. And we pray now as we consider your word that you would speak to us as only you can, and we invite you to do that. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 
I've been inviting you all through this series of messages to pray the Lord's Prayer every day for six weeks. And, and through that process, to drink deeply of this prayer. The Lord Jesus was a man who had this profound relationship, the Spirit-filled God-man with his Father. And the disciples saw this, and, and they wanted a relationship with God the Father, like Jesus had, where he, he spoke what the Father told him to say. He did what the Father told him to do. And they recognized that it was resident in his prayer life with him. And that out of the fullness of the Spirit in which he operated, he was able to do what the Father had told him to do. And so they said to him one day, would you teach us to pray? And so he gave them this prayer that we can recite. It's good to recite this prayer. It's a great prayer. But even beyond that and alongside that is the idea of allowing the constituent parts of the prayer to inform our prayer life. And if you look at the other prayers of Scripture, so many of these elements are found in those prayers as well. And so we allow the different ideas of the, the prayer to influence how we pray. And so we've talked about the idea that we often forget to hallow or to honor the name of God as we pray. Very important part of our prayer life. We talked last week about allowing his kingdom to be realized in our life. And certainly it's to come fully yet, but it's also at work in us now. And part of that is to pray, may your will be done. And this is such a, an important part of life. Lord, how, how do you want your will to unfold in my life physically and emotionally and relationally and spiritually? And we come now to this part in verse 11, but let me read the prayer to you one more time. We had it sung to us so beautifully just a moment ago. Jesus says to them in Matthew 8, and you can turn with me in your Bible or on your device to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. And he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When Jesus prayed, verse 11, give us today our daily bread. In the mind of his leadership team, the disciples they would have immediately gone to an event in the history of the nation of Israel. Having been grown up and schooled in this, every night they would hear the stories after supper. They would pass down the oral tradition of their nation, which is how they did it, in particular in that era. And their minds would immediately click in with a, perhaps one of the most significant events in the life of the nation of Israel. When God delivered them and their ancestors out of the land of Egypt, where they had been enslaved for 400 years. And so if you have your Bible, again, turn back to the book of Exodus, because this sheds light on this passage. And when they hear the concept of giving daily bread, immediately their minds would click with this story. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. Exodus chapter 16. Let me set the context. 
They've been in captivity, enslaved in the nation of Egypt for 400 years. But all the time in the back of their mind, they remember the promise of God that one day they will be brought out of slavery. They'll be released from slavery and they will be able to move towards the promised land that God had promised them. Moses, under God's leading, comes to free the people of Israel. And Pharaoh consistently says to him, he's the leader of Egypt, I will not let your people go. And so God visits a series of 10 plagues of increasing intensity over a period of time on the nation. And each time, Pharaoh stubbornly refuses to comply. Until finally, at the end of 10 plagues, he says, okay, you can leave. I've learned my lesson. And they begin to exit the nation of Egypt. And the the, the nation of, of, of Israel is led out of Egypt by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud during the day. It was kind of the first GPS. And at least 2 million plus of them begin to exit the city, and God dramatically parts the Red Sea. One of my professors calculating the average width of the Red Sea and the average foot speed of that many people through the course of the night suggested, I remember in school, that he would have parted the Red Sea approximately one mile, 1.6 kilometers, for that mass of people to move through. Behind them, they see in the dust that Pharaoh's army is pursuing them because Pharaoh has decided to renege on his promise and he sends his army out to butcher these defenseless people and to take the remnants of them and enslave them again. And so when they try to come through the parted Red Sea, it collapses on them and every one of them is drowned and God saves the people of Israel again. After all they have seen, after all they have experienced, after every way that God has provided, God has protected, God has delivered, you would think that they would be willing to follow God everywhere and to trust him for everything. They're not so different than we are. But let's read how they react. Beginning in Exodus chapter 16, in verse 2. In the desert... The whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. I remind you what Pastor Aaron said. As we go through those 40 days, we want to be all about good news rather than being grumbling people or gossiping people. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around with pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve the this entire assembly to death. So there's a shortage of food, but they've forgotten everything God's already done. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And they did this because he didn't want them gathering on Sabbath day, on Shabbat. So have enough for Shabbat, for Sabbath day, so that you don't have to go out again. So Moses and Aaron said this to all their Israelites, in the evening you will know it was the Lord who brought you out 
of Egypt. Let's jump down to verse 14, where it says, When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And for all the kids that are listening, this is the first time in history that Tony the Tiger and frosted flakes appeared. Verse 15. When the Israelites, that was a joke, kids, by the way. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer, which is about a quart, for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who had gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with all of them. After a while, even though they didn't really know what it was, they began to call the frosted flakes manna. They didn't know what it was, but they did know this. Each day, they had nothing. They were hungry. And now God was providing enough food every day for two million plus people to survive for the next 40 years. If you read earlier in chapter 2, you'll see that he also sent quail, which is a type of bird. And so I'm imagining they got pretty creative in how they prepared this stuff. I'm guessing they had manna burgers, boiled manna, fried manna, manna that was shaped like chicken, manna splits, and then the famous banana mama bread. I'm sure they got tired of it, but it fed them for 40 years on a daily basis. And God gave it to them every day to remind them who was providing for them, saying to them every day, I am taking care of you. Every day you're going to have to trust me and me alone for your survival. This is the historic background that would have immediately clicked in their minds when Jesus prayed and said, give us today our daily bread. It was also very common in the day of Christ to be hired on a day-to-day basis. And so by using this imagery, they would have understood that Jesus is saying, when he says pray for daily bread, he's saying simply ask for work for that day and food to survive on a daily basis. And they would have understood clearly that Jesus was telling them to pray every day for the things they need to exist, for the, in fact, necessities of life. And for this, for us, this means saying, I'm going to live in regular daily dependence on God for everything I need. What I eat, where I work, what I wear, all of those things. And this has massive implications for how we pray. This is another very important building block 
of what a healthy prayer life looks like. Now, we said earlier in this series that sometimes we allow prayer to just become a shopping list. And all we do in our prayer life is just say, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And that's not a healthy way to pray. But having said that, we still need to ask, and it needs to be a part of our prayer life, the things that we need in life. So let's talk about what Jesus is meaning when he says, give us today our daily bread, and that that's a healthy element of a good, balanced prayer life. It includes gratitude. And this is often something we forget to do, just like we forget to honor the name of God. We talked about this in week one. We often forget to honor the name of God. We also often neglectful of gratitude. And so here are the Israelites out in the desert, and they're grumbling against God. And it says actually in the text, they're grumbling against Moses. They didn't have the guts at that point to grumble directly against God, and so they grumbled against God by grumbling against his leader. And it's easy for us to forget how God has taken care of us, isn't it? It's easy to take for granted the fact that we have a warm place to live and the building is warm right now and when we go home, wherever it is we live, it'll be warm. This is a gift from God that we have clothes to wear and a jacket and food and medicine. And it's simple and yet very profound evidence of God's provision in our life. You know, I was Zooming with my family in Regina on Tuesday. And kind of, honestly, we were all kind of complaining about COVID and the stuff we're going through with COVID. And all of a sudden, my sister speaks up, Heather. Heather works for Employment Canada for the federal government. And she said, you know, we are blessed. Because everyone in our family that's of working age, that works and wants to work outside the home, has a job. We are blessed. Because I work with people, many of whom don't have jobs. In fact, my son-in-law, right, almost a year ago, right at the beginning of COVID, in the first week or 10 days of COVID, he got laid off. And I think he was out of work for it was five or six weeks, something like that. But during that five or six weeks, if I remember correctly, he put out 300 applications. I was so proud of him. I, said, I called him and I said, I'm so proud of your persistence in pursuing a job. And after six weeks of that, he got a really good job. And he's still working today. But Heather reminded us, we are blessed. We all have a job. Not everyone does. We have so much to be thankful for. So let me ask you this question, and I want you to think about it through the course of this talk. What is the manna for you? What is the manna for you? What does manna mean in your life? The manna that we enjoy every day is a reminder of the provision that God has for us, but also his care for us and his love for us. And so he takes care of us personally like that, but also cares for us as a church. 
And one of the things we want to be known for in the community, something that one of our elders taught me many years ago, and it's kind of like a credo we live by, we want to be known as a place that gives, not takes. A place that gives, not takes. And so we've been blessed over the years to be able to do a lot of that in our community. And God is blessed that way. And so we give out hampers, we give out bags of meat, we give out food for learning, we work at the soup kitchen. There's just many other things I could mention. We listen to many hurting people and help a lot of hurting people. And when we do that, we often, not every time, but we often give out this little card. And we've given out different cards over the years, but the one we're doing right now, it says, because God cares, we care. And on the back, it says, we're grateful to be able to serve you today, sharing with you the tangible love that God has for you, love from your UDAC family. And as a church family, let me just say, you've been incredibly generous. And I commend you for that. And all of that comes, first and foremost, because God has been generous to us. So as we pray with gratitude, let's pray very specifically with gratitude for all of the things God has entrusted us with. He also talks to us about praying for our needs. And he uses this very powerful image the image of bread. And it's a very powerful image. It's just a basic staple of life. And often this is the kind of bread, it looks a lot like this when you're in Israel. They have big stacks of it in the marketplaces. And Jesus says, pray about this very basic element of life, this very basic image. And you know, in my experience, when it comes to prayer, Sometimes we kind of limit the things we talk about. And we think to ourselves, we don't often say this out loud, but we, we, we kind of limit the list and we think, I better filter things like the basics out because it's not a quote-unquote holy enough issue, not a big enough issue to concern God with. And we're thinking to ourselves, you know, surely the God of all the universe wouldn't be interested in the pedestrian, more seemingly mundane elements of our life. But in the Word of God, we're told that He numbers the hairs on our head. He cares about those kinds of things in our life. Some people, Philip Yancey writes in his book on prayer, sort of muzzle the list of things they pray about because they don't want to appear selfish, or trivial. And Yancey in his book says, consider the prayers of the Bible. You have people praying for all kinds of things that might on the surface look quote-unquote selfish or trivial. Not trivial, but selfish. You have people, and you have, a, you have an infertile woman, for example, Yancey writes, who wants a baby. A widow who needs more cooking oil. A soldier who begs for victory in battle. People praying for rain when there's drought. Paul praying for safe travel, for prosperous work, for healing. And now Jesus tells us, I want you to pray for daily bread. And it's like he's saying this, there's nothing too trivial for God. 
Absolutely, we want to pray about the complex and the complicated and the, you know, what we might consider the serious things of life. But daily bread that Jesus reminds us of conveys the image that God cares about all the building blocks of life. In the physical area, in the spiritual area, in the emotional area, in the, in the relational area. That no matter how small or how big, that all of this is for his glory and really is a revelation of his glory. And so it hooks back very conveniently to what we talked about in week one, where we hallow his name or honor his name. And that in reality, when we, when we tend to hold back, what we're doing is creating a kind of a distance in our relationship where we don't let God into those areas of our life. And in a subtle way, we're saying to God, you don't care enough or you're not interested in enough in us to be involved in the everyday elements of life. And yet the image of daily bread that Jesus suggests we use as the image to build this block into our prayer life is that God is concerned absolutely with the complex and the big issues of life, but he's also concerned with the basic building blocks of life too. So think about it this way. You know, when we, when we, when we relate to people on really a professional level, like a business-type level, the conversation is very succinct and to the point typically on a business track. We don't talk to them about the fact that I had insomnia last night or whatever. But with a best friend, this is what Jesus is saying, we feel more comfortable sharing the smaller or the more trivial aspects of life or, or our deepest secrets. And Jesus is saying absolutely God the Father is the King of Kings. He's the creator of all the universe. He's the sustainer of all the universe. The next breath I take is because he allows it. That we are to worship, we are to adore him, we are to stand in, in reverent awe of him and have this deep-seated respect for him. And yet at the same time, he wants a close, personal, intimate relationship with us where we lay absolutely everything in our life at his feet. This is one of the reasons scripture says in another place to pray without ceasing. There's this running dialogue between us and God throughout the day. C.S. Lewis wrote this. We are to lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. And Jesus is suggesting, as he teaches us to pray, ask God, what do I need, God? What do I need to trust you for? And, and when he brings it to mind, which he will, because prayer is a dialogue, go to God in prayer about that. So whatever it is, the basics of life, maybe for you, um, you've just lost someone dear, and you need to daily depend on God for strength to cope with the loneliness and the heartache and the grief that you could never have imagined. Or maybe you're sick, and every day you have to depend on God for the emotional strength and the physical strength 
just to survive. Maybe you need wisdom for your business. And so at your home office, if you're working there, or if you're in your literal office, or maybe you work outside or whatever the case is, just to take a moment and ask for wisdom. Or maybe you need in your marriage relationship just daily strength to carry on. Because it's a lot less of a relationship than you'd hoped for. And you literally need supernatural strength to hang on. Maybe you're going through a really spiritually dry time. And I know you're there, God, but you feel distant to me. This is often called from Scripture the dark night of the soul, where you know he's there, you know he's at work, but you don't see any outward expression of that at the moment. And so you say, I need your help just to have faith to get through this day. And when Jesus gives this image of daily bread, he's talking about the necessities of life, whatever they are, whether it's spiritual or physical or relational or emotional. We can bring all of this to him. What is your manna? Gratitude, needs, and then trust. And so for some of us, this is really hard to do. We tend to be a lot like the Israelites in Exodus chapter 16, who try to save manna for the next day. And I'm guessing for some of them, it was just because they were kind of lazy, and they said, you know, I don't want to have to go back out in the Judean wilderness when it's hot tomorrow and gather manna again. So I'm just going to gather more manna now, even though he told me not to. And for some of them, like some of us, we just don't like being told what to do. And when God tells us to do something, we get our back up and we let our pride take over and we won't do what he tells us to do. But for some of them, I'm guessing just like for some of us, it's that we're saying, I just don't think I can trust him for tomorrow. Yeah, I know the story. I've experienced how he liberated us from Egypt, the 10 plagues taking us through the Red Sea, bringing water out of the rock. I've seen all this stuff. I know he took care of me today, but I don't know if I can trust him for tomorrow. So I worry about tomorrow. And if you're struggling with this trust thing, which once in a while I do, I encourage you, every day to say, Lord, today's a new day. One more time, I'm going to have to climb the mountain. And I know you're going to help me up the mountain. Would you give me the faith to trust you again today? Randy is a friend of mine. And Randy, uh, Randy has gone through some deep times in life, difficult times in life, especially with his family. And one time he was talking to me And he said to me, as he was going through one of these really dark times with his family, that he was meditating on the Lord's Prayer. He was just, like we've talked about, allowing it to soak deeply into his soul. And he said, when it came to this line in the prayer in verse 11, where it says, give us today our daily bread, God gave him a word, and here was the word that God gave him. The beauty about today is that it's not yesterday, and it's not tomorrow. 
Thanks for being, thanks God for being all that I need today. George Mueller was an evangelist in England many, many, many years ago. And he depended on God for everything. And one of the things he did is he created an orphanage. Hundreds and hundreds of children went through and were placed in homes as well as his evangelistic stuff. My understanding is that orphanage still exists today. But one morning, Mueller was there with all the children. There was no food. None. (laughs) And they were all standing around the table. The plates were out. The cutlery was out. But no food. And so Mueller prayed. And he said, Dear Father, we want to thank you. Obviously, he had the gift of faith too. Dear Father, we want to thank you for all you're going to do and what you're going to give us to eat today. And as he said, Amen. Literally, there was a knock at the door, and at the door was the local baker. And the baker said, Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Something was keeping me up. See, God is never confined by time like we think about it, right? He created time. So he's not, crea- he's not confined by time. So the baker says, I couldn't sleep last night. Something was keeping me up. And so I got out of bed at 2 a.m., And I had a sense that you guys had no bread. And so I baked bread for you and the kids starting at 2 a.m. Mueller thanked him and praised God. And then he said to the kids, not only do we have bread, but we have fresh bread. A few moments after that, there was another knock at the door. This time it was the milkman who announced that his cart, his horse-drawn cart, had broken down right outside the orphanage. And he wondered if he could give Mueller some of his cans of milk so he could lighten the load on his cart and repair the wheel. So Just maybe, as you pray, God is calling you to get up at 2 a.m. and go and bake bread. Or maybe you need to pray and ask for bread. I don't know what it is. But I know this. God cares for his children. He cares about the simplest parts of life, like daily bread. He cares about the most complicated and serious issues in life as well. But I I guess if you have no bread, that's a pretty serious issue too, right? But as we live in this prayer this week, and again, I invite you to pray it every day. Let it sink. Think about what it means. You know, sometimes people say to me, well, I don't know what to pray. There's so much to pray for. If you're praying, hallow God, hallow your name. If you're praying your will be done and you explore in your prayer life what that means and the different elements of life. And then if you pray for your daily needs and thankful, are thankful for all those things, even that alone, that's a lot to pray for. Ask the question, God, what is the manna in my life? I encourage you to pray every day, Lord, please give me my daily bread. And then share with him all that that means to you. And let him speak to you about that. What it means in the spiritual and physical and emotional and relational parts of your life. And then say, I'm going to be grateful, which we often forget to do. 
which we often take for granted. And I want to be submitted to your will, and I want to trust you to do what is best in every one of those areas. Give us today our daily bread.